Heavenly Father, in Jesus' glorious name, we thank Thee for Your Son and His apostles and the truth they brought from heaven for us. And they put it in writing. We reject and defy. We mock and we trample the magisterium and tradition of the Church of Rome. Amen. What we do not see yet that we ought to change in our doctrine or practice to get rid of all her influences, yes. show us, yes. and we will flush it. Amen. We will chase it far away. Amen. We despise it. And we pray for Baptist churches throughout the world, yes. Heavenly Father, that you will convict them and remind their pastors of 1 Timothy 4, 6, and let them use all the information that is available today to examine their own churches and to lead them in pure worship and doctrine. Yes. Now be with us in Jesus' glorious name, the name which is above every name. Amen. Amen. Why do modern Baptists have baby dedications in assemblies? If we despise, mock, and trample on the infant baptism of Rome, why do Baptist churches have baby dedications where two parents bring their newborn baby down to the altar and there's a prayer over the baby? Where did that come from? It's not in the Bible. There's nothing like that in the Bible. You might as well bring a, an animal in, your pet. Bring the family pet in and have the pastor pray over it. There's nothing like a baby dedication in the Bible. We want all of our children to serve the Lord, but we don't do it by Roman Catholic means. Right. May the Lord have mercy upon us and show us everything he wants us to learn. These are the seven sacraments of Rome. Baptism, confirmation, mass, penance, last rites, matrimony, orders. We want to look at confirmation the second of the seven sacraments of Rome. This is a girl around 14 years of age getting oil on her forehead, being confirmed as a Catholic. Her sponsor stands behind her and puts her right hand on the girl's shoulder. Here's another 14-year-old girl getting the oil on her forehead with the right hand on her shoulder. Look at his fish hat. Look at his curved Rod, look at his robes, pajamas. Look at the cross that he's wearing around his neck. Here's a young man getting it with his sponsor, with the right hand on his shoulder. Another fish hat. Another pedophile in pajamas. Another one. Another one. Huge, 14 years of age, confirming them as Catholics. Mother Church teaches about confirmation. It is how the Holy Spirit is given for greater faith at about 14 years of age. It occurs when infants become youth, 14, or mature, round 14 to them, or have reason, round 14. It is done by a bishop, and that's why you saw the fish hat laying hands on a youth. The bishop makes a cross on the forehead. The forehead cross is made with chrism. Chrism is oil and balsam. This is the profession of Catholicism by the infant that was baptized in the first week of life that had first communion at seven is now confirmed as a Catholic at 14. Chrism is a mixture of oil and balsam consecrated and used for anointing at baptism. That's why I mentioned oil on the baby and other rites of Catholic, Orthodox, and Anglican churches. Do you think there's anything like chrism in the Bible? No. Mother Church teaches, this is what Peter and John did in Samaria. What did Peter and John do in Samaria? Philip had gone there and preached the gospel. Most of the city was converted. Much of the city was converted. And he baptized them. But Philip's baptism, not being an apostle, did not give them the gift of the Holy Ghost. So they sent to Jerusalem to bring two apostles who had apostolic authority right. to give the Holy Spirit 
to those baptized persons in Samaria. That is what Peter and John did. They were apostles. There's never been an apostle in the Catholic Church, no matter how many they claim are apostles. They say this is what Paul did to 12 men that he found at Ephesus that hadn't received the Holy Ghost since they were baptized. And so he rebaptized them since they only had John's baptism after Pentecost. And he laid his hands on them and gave them the Holy Ghost. In these two cases, which Catholics appeal to, it's only apostles giving the Holy Ghost, and they never transfer that authority to anyone else. When you read the three pastoral epistles, there is nothing about giving the Holy Ghost. It comes by baptism, and it comes by all the other efforts necessary, as the book of Ephesians tells us about the extra ministries of the Holy Spirit. The apostles received the Spirit publicly on the day of Pentecost, and they gave the Holy Spirit publicly, but never again was it done that way. Confirmation is as ludicrous as infant baptism, the logistical lie that required it, because an infant can't declare their faith. They can't say, I want to be a Catholic. Mommy, Daddy, I want to be a Catholic. They're only one week old. And so because that they've never said they want to be a Catholic, confirmation comes along 14 years later for them to say that they want to be a Catholic. Bible baptism is the way to receive the Holy Ghost. Because Ephesians tells us the Holy Ghost is God's gift to them that obey him. And the first act of obedience, along with faith, is baptism. He has far more ministries, the Holy Spirit does, that the book of Ephesians outlines for us. Most Protestants and Reformers, since they baptize infants, they use confirmation to seal a person as a Christian and give them full church membership. Catholics give full church membership to infants. By a right, they do not call a sacrament. Protestants, Church of England, Lutherans, Presbyterians. They have something that they will call confirmation, but they will not call it a sacrament because they've reduced their sacraments from seven to two, which is why Baptists think they have two ordinances. Here's what the Council of Trent said about confirmation. If anyone says that the confirmation of those who have been baptized is an idle ceremony and not a sacrament, let him be anathema. I wonder who called it an idle ceremony. Oh, yes. Our fathers in the faith. If anyone says that they who ascribe virtue to the chrism of confirmation outrage the Holy Ghost, let him be anathema. Yes. Holy chrism. They think that by rubbing oil on a forehead gives the Holy Ghost. Where is that in the Bible? And if someone calls it an outrage, that means there were those that called it an outrage. And we love them for calling it an outrage. Against the Holy Ghost, let him be anathema. These are curses. Pope Frank and all that belong to you, we curse you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the authority of the Apostle Paul, who in Galatians 1, verses 8 and 9, tells us to let anyone that preaches any other gospel than what Paul preached to be accursed. A proof of Baptist perpetuity. Remember what that word means. I'm sorry for using it. But a proof of Baptist perpetuity, that means there have been Baptist churches from the apostles to the present day, is enemies naming heresies we believe. There were not very many Baptists that had the money to publish books in the 1500s. Our fathers in the faith were the poor of this world. They were the persecuted of this world. Any books they had were burned. Any efforts they made to publish were stopped. They couldn't buy or sell without the mark of the beast for 1,260 years. So the information from their pens is scant, to say the least. So when we find enemies 
saying this, we curse those who say our chrism of confirmation is an outrage against the Holy Ghost. Oh, yes. That is the evidence that Baptists have existed in perpetuity since the apostles, because they were existing enough in the 1500s that the Catholic Church would publish this. They would not publish this after 18 years of a church council unless there was a large number of enemies believing it. Do you love your Baptist fathers that called the Roman Catholic superstition about chrism an outrage against the Holy Ghost? Yes, indeed. Our Baptist fathers in the faith defied Rome about confirmation and died for it. In the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord, I despise, mock, and trample on confirmation of the Roman whore and her brothel. I thank God that at least one person in this church was moved by the first service this morning. He's a 13-year-old male that came to see me after I had finished and said that he was angry. And he was worked up. And he wanted to do something about Rome. And I said, sort of like me, let's march on Rome and burn it. (laughs) That's what Oliver Cromwell wanted to do. But I appreciate that 13-year-old, and I told him he has a 48-year advantage on me, and if I can convey truth to him with a 48-year advantage, and he'll hold it fast, if he'll learn it, if he'll defend it, if he'll promote it, then it will extend truth 48 years past me. And that's how we want to look at our children and our children's children. Rome's priests think they forgive sins by confession to them, and their absolution. We're going to move to the Mass. The precise terminology of the Roman Catholic Church is the Eucharist. That's the precise term for what they call communion. What they, what they would say is the Lord's Supper is called the Eucharist, which means thanksgiving, but the meaning isn't important. That's the word. That's the, the magic word. Now, the Mass is a priest turning a cracker into Jesus in all respects and sacrificing him to God again. It's the number one event of a Catholic priest is turning a cracker into God, into Jesus Christ. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. The bread becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. As you're going to see, Catholics only need to take the bread because the priest turned the bread into the body, the blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. So under either species, meaning, these are their words, either bread or wine, you have the whole Christ, the real presence of Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. In the wine, you have his body. In the bread, you have his blood. So that they only have to serve one of those species because the whole Christ is received under either one. The mass, and you've heard the word mass, and it is a terrible word, and it's a word that we want to despise because in the mass, a priest claims to bring Jesus down from heaven and turn a cracker into him, body, blood, soul, and divinity, sacrifice him back to God in a real, literal sacrifice. They say the only difference is because the victim is the same and the priest is the same. It's Jesus in both cases is it is an unbloody sacrifice of a bloody sacrifice. But the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So what is this unbloody sacrifice? And if they're able to turn the bread into blood, it is a bloody sacrifice because they turn it in to literal blood. The whole thing is a confusing nightmare of false doctrine and lies of the devil. The Eucharist is the official formal name of the sacrament. The Mass is when a priest goes through his ritual to turn the cracker into Jesus Christ. The host 
is the cracker turned into Jesus. That's their name for the cracker that turns into Jesus with the priest's words. Communion is the laity. In the Catholic Church, there's clergy and there's laity. The clergy are the ministers or the priests, and the laity are you. Communion is when the Mass has been done, and the host has been consecrated, and it is now Jesus Christ, and that is served to the rest of the assembled church. The real presence is their terminology, and it means exactly what you think it means. The real presence of Jesus replaces the host. I don't know why they picked the word host, because a host means that it is still there, and it is accommodating something else that has been given to it. But transubstantiation does not allow for the bread to remain. It is a double miracle of the Catholic Church that you can still see it, taste it, break it, crush it, flush it, digest it, and whatever else you need to do to it. That's a double miracle. That's how they get around it. Because they know it doesn't change in color. It doesn't change in chemical composition. It doesn't change at all. So they say that's a double miracle that our priests do. These words, this is the greatest blasphemy of the Roman Catholic Church. What they do to the Lord Jesus Christ and what they think they're doing to him today, bringing him down out of heaven and having him on their altars. When that priest takes the big host, that big host could be this big around, it could be this big around. When he takes that thing and raises it up, the whole congregation says together, Lord, we are not worthy to have you enter under the same roof with us. Because Jesus is there. When there are leftovers, well, we'll get to that. When there are leftovers, the real presence, transubstantiation. Do you like words? Trans means change. Like transgender? Do I have to resort to that to help you understand the word? No. Transmission. That works better. Transubstantiation. That substance, change in the substance, turns the cracker into Jesus with the words of the priest. The chalice is the fancy gold cup for the wine. The ciborium is the fancy gold cup for the host. The tabernacle is the little doghouse, I mean godhouse, that is on a wall or on a table someplace fixed in a Catholic church, fixed and locked to store Jesus. A monstrance is a sunburst display of the host because the host is now Jesus. So when you take one of those little crackers and stick it in the middle of a big gold sunburst and carry it around, it allows the faithful to adore the most blessed sacrament and Jesus Christ. And so they kneel and they pray and they worship this little cracker in a big sunburst called a monstrance. Adoration of the host is cracker worship. This is their word. All these are their words. Adoration of the host. The Eucharist, this third sacrament of the Roman Catholic Church, is the most arrogant and blasphemous of all her doctrines and rites. When you think about what they claim for their priests, they call it a miracle by their priests equal to the Trinity and the incarnation of Jesus Christ. For them to bring him down and turn a cracker into him, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Even his godhood is in their cracker. Not in their cracker. It is their cracker because there's no more cracker. Here we go. Pope Frank holding up the chalice, ciborium, with the host in it. Jesus said he had a cup to drink. Do you remember when I preached to you about the cup of Jesus Christ? He had a cup to drink, and it wasn't anything like that. Pope Benedict, there he is with his host. He's turning it into Jesus Christ and God right now by his words. This is the matter. Out of his mouth is coming the form, the words, this is my body. 
Here's another priest doing it. At that moment, look at him, look at that thing. He's got God in his hands. He's got Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity in his hands. He can give that to a sick man on a deathbed that has mortal sins and deliver him from purgatory and send him straight into heaven. And the church says, Lord, we are not worthy for you to enter under the roof with us. He hasn't entered. He's never been near their church. The devil has entered that place, and it's the cage and place of every foul bird, as John describes it in Revelation 18. Here's Pope Frank adding a little bit of solemnity to the Mass with some incense. Here's another church holding up. I just want to show you a bigger one. Here's another one. They're turning that into God. It is by far the focal point of a priest's ministry to turn the cracker into God. They can only, issue, they can only have one mass a day. A, a Catholic priest can only perform one mass a day except for one special day that Baptists love dearly. Here's Pope Frank in more modest setting turning the cracker into Jesus Christ. Unbelievable. There's 1.2 billion people that believe this happens. There's a tabernacle. A tabernacle is a doghouse. I mean a godhouse. I have intentionally misstated it twice. Fixed on the wall and lockable where they can lock up Jesus so that nobody can come and steal Jesus and get saved without their permission. So that's where they keep the leftovers. So they, Because, hey, once you've consecrated the host, it's Jesus. So they haul Jesus to the sick. If you ever hear of a Baptist church taking communion to some sick person, to some shut-in, you have met a secret closet Catholic. Right. We would never do such a thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 starts and ends that when ye gather together in one place, it is for the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is not hauled around. It is a congregational ordinance when we are in one place and we tarry one for another so that we all eat at the same time. Paul is so specific and clear about that. We do not haul it around in some little plastic Ziploc baggie for anybody. Nor do we go to their room and have communion for them. If they are so infirmed that they can't make it to our services where we're holding the Lord's Supper, the Lord forgives them. Because it's not a requirement for salvation. But if you make it a requirement for salvation, then you've made the fatal mistake and you're on the slippery slope and you add all kinds of new rules in order to get the means of salvation to people that can't make it to church. That's a tabernacle. This is a monstrance. He's carrying Jesus around in a procession for you to worship. That's Jesus in that cracker inside the sunburst. Have men worshipped the sun in the Bible? Do we know that pagans have worshipped the sun? That sunburst, what does that have to do with Jesus my Lord? There's a priest worshipping the tabernacle. Down here's the tabernacle. There's the ciborium in it. I don't know if you can see the ciborium sitting there or not. But the ciborium is holding the host. And it's inside the tabernacle. He's unlocked Jesus, opened the door so he can get a better look at him. And he is on his knees adoring the blessed sacrament. This happens every day, everywhere in the world because all nations of the earth would get the mark of the beast. The mark of the Roman Empire revived in the Roman Catholic Church. By far the largest religious group in the world. Another tabernacle. My Jesus opens and no man can shut. And my Jesus shuts and no man can open. My Jesus has the keys of David and the keys of death and of hell. There's a monstrance to adore 
the cracker that is right there. The best time you will spend on earth, Mother Teresa said those words, adoring a cracker. John wondered with great admiration because you know and I know this is really impossible. Nobody does this anywhere. Nobody could call themselves a Christian and get down on their knees and worship a cracker. He wondered with great admiration. There's another one. In a sunburst, a cracker. Know also that you will probably gain more by praying 15 minutes before the blessed sacrament than by all the other spiritual exercises of the day. Another saint of the Catholic Church. A fire which inflames us. A fire which will inflame you is how it should be worded. St. John of Damascus. There is the host after it's been consecrated. If it's just been kicked out of one of their prefab machines in their manufacturing centers, then it's not Jesus. It's just the host. But once he consecrates it with the words, then it's Jesus. There's another tabernacle, a pretty fancy one, with Mary sitting over it and some other things that I don't even want to think about trying to explain, but that's Jesus' worship to a Catholic. Here's how it's dispensed in Holy Communion, they call it. Come forward, stick your tongues out, and the priest says, the Lamb of God, and puts the Lamb of God on your tongue. I can't wait. We just wait a few minutes, and we're going to do it the right way. Amen. We're going to do it the right way. I'm going to rip my tie off for you folks. Because anything that even looks like dressing up for the Lord's Supper makes me angry. We like to dress up because the Lord deserves reverent worship. Amen. Just look at that. The Lamb of God. They believe that they are putting Jesus inside them. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. What is this? A Sunday school class? When was the last time you saw a Baptist Sunday school class with clothes like that on? What is this? Naomi, I told you to wait for these slides. Can you see them? Or do you need to come up and sit beside Nan? This is First Communion. Look at the dresses they put on those little girls. Do you know what they make it out to be? Like a beauty pageant. If you go home and type into a Google search box, First Communion dresses, it will shock your senses. You will wonder, why can't they make something this pretty for a wedding dress? It's, it's unprecedented. And all these little girls folding their hands together, they were baptized in the first week of life. Now they're going to get Jesus in them. They're going to eat Jesus. Here's Pope Benedict giving Jesus to a seven-year-old at her first communion. A crown on her head, bows, ribbons. Brethren, do you know, do you know how superstitious and how binding and the bondage of that system of religion, you get them at birth in a fancy infant baptism christening ceremony. Then you get them at seven. It's huge. Then at 14, it has to be a bishop for confirmation. Then at 20, they have to be married in a Catholic church. Have to be married in a Catholic church with a mass. They make it incredibly beautiful. And then... That woman, at 20, then has a baby and starts the whole process over again. And so the church has arranged all these sacraments, like First Communion for seven-year-olds, to perpetuate their church. Look at this little guy. I don't know about you, but when... Matthew, would you hurry up and get the website finished? It's for that little guy right there. I want him to plug in the truth about First Communion. 
and find the 351 slides that I have up here on my laptop. Look at him. Lord, if it weren't for the grace of God, there would be my children and my grandchildren, and we would be thrilled and happy, thankful that they are being part of the Catholic Church and having their first communion. It's all by the grace of God. The women sitting around you, the girls sitting around you, Jesus didn't wear fancy robes like that. Mother Church, transubstantiation equals transformation of substance. The cracker becomes the real presence of Jesus. It is mysteriously no longer a cracker in any way. It is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Those four words are not my choice, but their choice. All traits of bread remain, and they know that, so they call it a double miracle. Many Baptists denied this monstrous blasphemy and paid for it with their lives. Jesus, transubstantiation, changed taste and smell fully from water to wine. Are you with me? Our priest is better than their priests in transubstantiation. When they turn the cracker into Jesus, it still tastes and still looks like a cracker. But when Jesus changed water into wine, it tasted totally different and was the best wine that the master of ceremonies at that wedding had had thus far that day. Oh, yes, Lord Jesus, we worship you and you alone. You are our high priest of our profession. Mother Church, they claim to bring Jesus down on their altars. The belief in the real presence leads to folly. Our brother David Castleberry is reading at the present time, 50 years in the Church of Rome, where the Canadian Catholic priest Charles Chinaquay describes his torment of conscience during 50 years as a Catholic priest until the Lord partially delivered him. He took a church of 2,000 members in the Diocese of Chicago to the Presbyterians and kept the building, and Abraham Lincoln defended him in court. The celebrant, that means the priest performing the miracle, that they call a miracle that's no miracle at all, holds the host as if it's God himself, as you saw in the pictures. Lord, I am not worthy to be under the same roof. Bowing before the tabernacle is considered true devotion to Jesus Christ. That when he's locked up in his little house, for you to bow before it is true devotion. Mother Church teaches it is the very same sacrifice as at Calvary. It is the same victim and priest. It's in a new manner, unbloody for bloody. First communion's at seven to get Jesus inside. This, in spite of the fact that they're not confirmed until they're 14. But nothing about it makes sense. You just have to believe it because they've said this is the way it's supposed to be. The Eastern Church, the Eastern Catholic Church, the Greek Catholic Church, I respect for their consistency because at infancy, they do all three things. Baptism, confirmation, and first communion. Now think with me what I just said. At one week of age, they are baptized confirmed infant do you want to be a greek catholic well they've got sponsors and godparents to answer for it and then they go ahead and give it the eucharist all there the first week of life that's consistent because if they're old enough to be baptized they're old enough to be confirmed and they're old enough to have communion it makes sense mother church It's the worst abomination of the great whore of Rome, and it drips with martyr blood. So many martyrs gave their lives by rejecting the idea and the fact of their claims that Jesus was on their altars by their priests and that a cracker had turned to Jesus. Formerly, in the old days, when Catholics were more serious, everybody's loose today, Catholics fasted after midnight in order to have a Sunday Mass, So they had the masses early Sunday morning. 
But Jesus instituted his supper immediately after eating without any fasting. Mother Church teaches, Innocent III declared transubstantiation to be a doctrine in 1215. I know that surprises you. They weren't sure of their doctrine. They're changing all the time, just like Proverbs chapter 5 tells us that the strange woman will change her ways. The laity were limited to bread only in 1450 for safety. What kind of safety? Because you could choke on that bread, maybe. What safety are you talking about? Because there might be a drop of wine spilt, and Jesus could be lost in the carpet. If you drop a host, you can pick it up. But if you drop a drop of wine, you can't pick it up. So they went to bread only. I love this right here. What did Jesus say about that council in 1415? He said, drink ye all of it. Not meaning drink all the contents in the cup, but all of you present here, drink of the cup. It wasn't just the bread for the apostles. It wasn't just the bread for the church at Corinth. It was the bread and the wine and the cup for those present with the Lord and for those present in Corinth. The hosts are prefabricated to end Jesus' crumbs. And you think I'm joking. I sort of am, but they don't. you got to read Charles Chinaquay. When they would drop a host and a rat might run out, remember, 140, 50 years ago, and eat it, can you imagine what it would do to a melancholy with a conscience to have a rat come out and eat Jesus? And they didn't really believe that rats went to heaven? Incredible. The Mass was only performed in Latin until 65. So when I was born in 57, eight years before this, any Mass in America where everyone in those days, hear me loud and clear, everyone spoke English. They did the, the Mass in Latin. So the Catholics would just sit there hearing the, the Mass in Latin go forward, stick out their tongue, and get Jesus. That's what they look like, the little ones. There's one with more design on it. It's larger. If angels could be jealous of men, they would be so for one reason. Holy communion, eating Jesus. Could you not then watch one hour with me? Now remember, I'm not making this up. This is from Catholic apologetic sources. Jesus is in that monstrance, which is the gold sunburst. And could you not then watch one hour with me? That's when you go into a church, find a tabernacle. They might bring it out for you, and you can kneel down and worship that thing. There's Pope Benedict doing it on his knees. There's the tabernacle. This is in Ohio. A Catholic church was blown down in a storm. And the firemen have the tabernacle outside the church. And two of the faithful are on their knees in the churchyard, worshiping Jesus in the tabernacle. Can, can you fathom the superstition and the idolatry of the Catholic system in America and around the world? There's the tabernacle that they've rescued. My Lord doesn't need rescuing. Amen. We need the rescuing by our Lord. Right. Amen. I asked Pope Francis about his preferred way to pray. What I really prefer is adoration in the evening. What does that mean? Adoring God? Adoring Jesus? Adoring the cracker? In the evening, even when I get, dis even when I get distracted and think of other things, or even fall asleep praying. In the evening then, between 7 and 8 o'clock, I stay in front of the Blessed Sacrament for an hour in adoration. What intelligence. I'm moved by this to want to become a Catholic this afternoon. For an hour, he wants to worship a cracker. This is what the Lord has saved us from. And I'm supposed to remind you of it from time to time so that we examine ourselves that we are not sliding or falling toward Rome in any way, shape, or form. 
Mother Church. The miracle-working priests are Rome's treasure. His words bring down G- Jesus down and change the host. His Latin, hocust corpus meum. What we get hocus pocus from. The priest eats a large one. The laity gets small ones. The priests know, and their theologians know, that eating the God is a pagan ritual. But they practice it. They claim that in John 6, 26 through 72, eating and drinking Jesus was taught by Jesus when he said, If you do not eat my flesh and drink my blood, ye have no life in you. But we studied John chapter 6, and we went through it, and it took us several sermons, but we saw that eating and drinking Christ was believing on him. Very simply, believing on him. Why did Jesus use such language that would lead Roman Catholic theologians and priests astray? Because he is the author of confusion for those that do not want to receive the truth offered to them. Mother Church teaches, this is my body, said in Latin, hocus corpus meum. This is my body equals transubstantiation. When this is said, the cracker changes. This is my body has to be taken literally. I am the vine, they ignore. I am the door, they ignore. Mm -hmm. This is my body is literal in their various forms. Catholics and Anglicans say it's exclusively literal. Lutherans, Jesus is there along with the bread. Presbyterians, these are their words. Jesus is there really and spiritually. Though they would deny, and they do deny, in the Westminster Confession of Faith, the doctrine of transubstantiation, the cracker didn't change, but Jesus is there really, Jesus is there spiritually, and it's a sacrament, and you receive grace by partaking of it. What do Baptists declare? This is my body is a simple metaphor. It is no different than I am the door. It is no different than I am the vine. A man says, holding a picture of his wife, this is my wife. Are any of you confused? If I hold a picture out to you and say, this is my wife, is anyone confused by that? Do they think that my wife is there, body, blood, soul, and no divinity? It's so simple. He held up a piece of bread and said, this is my body. This represents my body. This is a symbol of my body. What do Baptists declare? This is my body is a simple metaphor. We are not literal salt, though Jesus said we were. He said, ye are the salt of the world. We are not literal light, though Jesus said, ye are the light of the world. Jesus and Paul called it bread after Jesus said, this is my body which means it was still bread. Jesus and Paul said it was to remember, not to offer or to sacrifice. What do Baptists declare? If Catholics are right that the words are only literal, they must drink a cup and a covenant. For Jesus said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. Drink ye all of it. They need to drink a cup. Not what's in the cup, because that's a metonym. They need to drink the cup. If this is my body, turns it into his body, then this cup is the New Testament. They need the cup inside them. And I'll help them get it there. No, I agree with Charles Spurgeon. We will not shed any blood. We will not touch a hair of their heads but we will do everything in our power to eradicate their doctrine from the earth. And we'll leave it with the Lord that he has turned so many of them over to strong delusion. The Bible declares the Lord's Supper is a memorial, not an offering or a sacrifice of Jesus. The Bible says Jesus finished one offering and sacrifice on the cross for all time forever. Who needeth not daily, as those high priests, to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins, and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. We don't offer him up. Jesus offered himself up through the eternal spirit. 
neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place in heaven. And that's the only altar we have is in heaven, having obtained eternal redemption for us. But now once in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus came 2,000 years ago. He appeared in this earth. He put away sin by sacrificing himself to God, and God accepted that sacrifice. By the which will, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And he didn't offer himself to us. He offered himself to God. This man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. For by one offering, one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. One offering. They continually offer every single day all over the world. One offering. Jesus Christ finished. They're blasphemers. It's terrible what they're claiming about their church compared to the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the mediator of the New Testament. Where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. And so by means of death, not by means of an unbloody sacrifice, but by means of death, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. So their unbloody sacrifice cannot remit sins. Jesus Christ remitted sins. Ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. Masses are purchased to be performed by priests to move relatives from purgatory to heaven. But we are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, and he offered himself to God. Now where remission of these is, There is no more offering for sin. Hello? There is no more offering for sin. It's been settled once for all by the Lord Jesus Christ. The New Testament has only one priest, Jesus, one sacrifice, Jesus, one altar in heaven, and none of those things are on earth. And you may go straight into the presence of God as a priest that Jesus has made a priest and a king. They lift up a prefab wafer to worship as God, talk to it, and adore it blasphemously. They take Jesus to shut-ins, directly contrary to Paul's limit of a public assembly. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. What do they say? If anyone denies that in the sacrament of the most holy Eucharist are contained the body and blood, the soul and divinity, you have, some of you have heard these words from my lips for decades. These are not my words. This is the Council of Trent, word for word. If anyone denies that in the sacrament of the Most Holy Eucharist are contained the body, the blood, the soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, calling it a sign, which is what we call it, let him be anathema. If anyone denies that in the Eucharist the whole Christ is contained in each species, let him be anathema. That means body, blood, soul, and divinity in the bread, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the cup. If anyone says that the Holy Catholic Church was not induced by just causes and reasons to communicate under the species of bread only, meaning you only get bread in our communion, let him be anathema. If we say that they did not have just causes and reasons, do we say they had just causes and reasons to change the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, drink ye all of it? If anyone says that in the Holy Sacrament of the Eucharist, Christ is not to be adored with Latria, supreme worship of God, and neither venerated nor solemnly borne in processions, and the adorers thereof are idolaters, oh, yes, let him be anathema. We had brothers telling the Catholics that they were idolaters for bearing a cracker around in processions in the streets of their cities. If anyone says that it is not lawful for the sacred Eucharist to be reserved in the tabernacle, 
but after consecration it must be distributed to those present, or that it is not lawful that it be carried with honor to the sick, let him be anathema. Thank you, we say. If anyone says that in the Mass a true and proper sacrifice is not offered to God, let him be anathema. If anyone says the Mass is only a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving or a bare commemoration, bare commemoration of the sacrifice consummated in the cross, and that the Mass is not a propitiatory sacrifice, or that it profits him only who receives and ought not to be offered for the living and the dead for sins, pains, satisfaction, and other necessities, let him be anathema. That means that a priest or a bishop can perform the Mass for dead people. If anyone says that by the sacrifice of the Mass, a blasphemy is cast on the holy sacrifice of Christ, consummated on the cross, or that it is derogated from, let him be anathema. If it is derogatory to the finished work of Christ, let him be anathema. Somebody was saying that, or they wouldn't have published it like this. If anyone says that it is an imposture to celebrate Masses in honor of the saints and for obtaining their intercession with God, as the church intends, let him be anathema. So they perform the Mass to get saints to intercede with God for them. These are the men that put our ancestors in the faith to death. They met for 18 years to come up with this stuff in writing. Mm -hmm. If anyone says that the ceremonies, vestments, that's the clothes they wear, and all the outward junk that we practice in the Catholic Church are incentives to impiety, that means it leads to unholy worship, let him be anathema. We if anyone says that masses, wherein the priest alone communicates sacramentally, are unlawful and therefore to be repealed, let him be anathema. What does it mean? He has communion himself with no one else. A proof of, a proof of Baptist perpetuity from the apostles is enemies naming heresies that we believe, right. and you just saw them naming heresies that we still believe. Do you love your Baptist fathers? They called the Roman Catholic practices idolatry, yeah. blasphemy, and imposture, and incentives to impiety, and contrary to the law of Christ? Amen. Yes, we do. Our Baptist fathers in the faith defied Rome about the Eucharist, and they died for it. In the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord, I despise, mock, and trample on the Eucharist and mass of the Roman whore and her brothel. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.